We're going to continue our series, this little mini-series, called Christians Should Look Different. So we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1. So if you've got your Bibles, go to 1 Peter chapter 1. And that's where we'll be this morning. But we as Christians, we as believers in Christ, are called to be different. Amen? We're, we're called to look different. And there's... Um, the theme of our, our, our little series that we're doing is that we're called to look and to be different from the world around us. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, I know I told you to go to 1 Peter chapter 1, but 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says that we're, we're called, we are a called and chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people of his own possession, that we, may be, that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into marvelous light. And the idea of the text here, I love that word, that we're a peculiar people. That word, um, it means that uh, we are, in fact, to be different. That word is, the, the definition of peculiar means odd or out of place. You are not like everything else in this world. You as a believer, you as a Christ follower are to look and to be different from everything else that walks this earth. You're not to blend in with the rest of humanity. You are to stick out. You're to be a Matthew chapter five says that we are a light on a hill, not to be hidden under a bush. You guys, we've had the kids sing it. Hide it under a bush. What's that kids? Oh no, I'm going to. Let it shine. Like we as Christians are called to be different. We are chosen. We are a particularly chosen people out of the human race to be and do different things in this world. So last week we spent all of our time on verse 13. Um, This week I'm hoping to get a little bit further. Um, but this, this week, uh, we're going to start in verse 14 and I want you guys read this with me as, as we see this. I'm going to, I'm going to read the text and then we'll go to the Lord in prayer and then we're going to unpack it. We're going to start in verse 14. It says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who has called you to those, he who calls you is holy. You also Need to be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout your time in exile, knowing that you were transformed, you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited by your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that with, uh, that is a lamb without blemish or spot. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your, the power of your word. God, I, 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 I acknowledge my inability to preach or do anything spiritual apart from the Holy Spirit interceding on our behalf. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would now invade my person and every word that is spoken, Father, may it be from your Holy Spirit. May you teach divine truth 
to us as your children. God, I love you and I thank you for all you've given me. In Jesus' name, amen. So verse 14 in 1 Peter tells us, it says, as obedient children, as obedient children. If you remember it last week, we started in verse 13. It says, therefore, preparing your minds for action, be sober minded, set your hope fully on the grace that has been brought to you by the revelation of Jesus Christ. So this is telling us, starting in verse 13, that listen, this is for believers. This is for Christians. Set your hope on the grace that is fully revealed in Christ Jesus. So as you set your hope on Christ fully, then you're as obedient children. As obedient children. The idea here is that Christ followers will long to obey and follow Jesus. Amen? John chapter 14, verses 15 through 24 says this. If you, this is Jesus speaking. So Jesus says, if you love me, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. A helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. I will, I love this. I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my father and you are in me. And I am in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself just to us and not to the entire world? Jesus answered him, if you love me, you will keep my word and my father will love him and will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my word or keep my commands. And the word that you're you're hearing right now, it is not mine, but my father's who sent me. So the idea in the text in John chapter 14 is this. You love me. You say you love me, you say you want to follow me, then obey me. The idea in the scripture here is that those who truly follow Christ will love him and those who truly love Christ will obey him. We sang it this morning in that song. My heart's desire is to love you and to to follow you as the deer panteth for flowing streams. That idea out of Psalms. As the deer pants for flowing stream, so my soul longs for you. Longs for you. The bottom line is this. Those who say they are Christians, those who say they are Christians and do not obey and follow the Lord Jesus Christ, they are not Christians. They're not Christians. Now understand me that none of us are going to obey perfectly. I get it. None none of us in the room have ever or ever will on this side of the grave will obey Christ perfectly. How many of you have messed up and not obeyed Christ perfectly? I have. 
We, we don't do it perfectly. But the heart level desire, the heart level desire is to what? The, to know Christ, to follow him, to, to be known by him. Do you now, now listen to this. This is, this is a good gauge, a good test to see if you follow and love the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you have within you a desire to please the Lord Jesus Christ? That's the question. Do you have a desire to please him in everything that you do? Are you quick to repent of your sins when the Holy Spirit convicts you of your sins? Is that, is that you? Because if that's you, do you hate your sin? Does your sin bother you? If it does, that's a very, very good sign. That is a good indicator that you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have a, a heart level desire to say, man, I want to know him. I want to be known by him. I want to follow him with every fiber in my being. I want to obey him. Lord, I know I don't obey you perfectly, but God, I want to. I know I don't do it perfectly, but God, I want to follow you. And you're quick to repent of your sins when the Holy Spirit convicts you of your sins. Man, that's a good indicator. Rejoice in that. Rejoice in that. I love that. When, when the Holy Spirit convicts me of my sin, that is a beautiful, beautiful indicator that you're a, a follower of Christ. If you're not convicted of your sins, the scripture says that you're not his child. In Hebrews, it says actually you're a bastard child. I didn't say that. That's, a, that's, a, that's from the text. That's a... Glorious indicator that you love and follow and know the Lord Jesus Christ. So I, I want us to go back for just a second, back to verse 13. Look at verse 13, 13 again. That last part. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you by the revelation of Jesus Christ. So because you've got your hope fully set on the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and because you love him, you're going to obey him as obedient children. So as obedient children, what are you going to do? You're not going to be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. You're not going to allow this, because Christ lives in you, your sinful passions that sometimes can pop up, your desire to be right, your desire to want to have a quick comeback at somebody that cuts you down, your desire to have lust over things or pride or hatred towards someone or something, that kind of stuff is going to get squashed. Because you want to be an obedient child and you're not going to be conformed to the passions of your old man, your old self, your old sin. You're not going to let, you're not going to let that rule and reign in your heart. The idea here is that you're not going to be a slave to your sin and you're not going to be a slave to your flesh. You're going to do as Paul says and say, I beat my body into submission. I beat my own body into submission. We are not allow, We are not going to allow our sin nature to rule and have dominion over our lives. We don't want to follow after sin. Man, we want to destroy sin that's in our lives. This is what Christians should be doing. Christians shouldn't be just allowing sin to run rampant in their camp. Rather, they have a desire to obey God and obey His Word. Paul gives us a similar command in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brothers, or I appeal to you, therefore, my brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. 
Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That by the testing, by that testing, you may discern what the will of God is and what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we are not to be conformed to the world. No, not at all. Rather, not to be conformed to our sinful passions, not to be conformed to our sinful desires. Bottom line here is that the, is that. Um, worldliness, we are not to follow after the world. We are not to look to the world as the answer for everything. We're not to look for, after the passions and the, the desires of our flesh. How many of you guys have ever struggled with the desires of your flesh? Okay, a couple of you. So, a couple of you that are honest, you need to pray for the rest that aren't being honest. Okay, Tyler, there we go. You know, did she make you do this? She poke you in the rib? Have you guys ever gotten cotton mouth from, like, I just, my mouth is dry this morning. Man. But we're, we're called not to be conformed, but be transformed. And you say, well, I, I see that. I read that in the text. But what, how do we do that? We have to saturate our hearts. We have to saturate our minds. We have to saturate our lives in the word of God. We are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. We are to give up sinful things. If you're not giving sinful things up, that's a problem. If you don't struggle, say, man, I want to give it up, but I'm not giving it up. If If there's no struggle in these things, then that is not a good indication. We are to give up sinful things in our lives The only way this can be accomplished is by Scripture washing over our hearts and over our minds. And as a result of the Scripture washing over our hearts and over our minds, our lives will by default be holy. We'll we'll desire things that are holy. Hmm. We are called to seek out what is holy and acceptable to God. We are not to seek out fleshly passions and desires. We are called to flee those things, run from those things. And what we do is we tend to like categorize these things. Okay, so okay, yeah, yeah, the adultery and 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 all those things and and murder and those are bad. But what we don't tend to do is look at the bitterness and the hatred and the anger that we have towards our fellow human beings, where we just just don't like each other. That's your sin nature. Because you're sinful, you don't like people. Because of your sin nature. And so the scripture says you're to put that to death. We are called to seek out what's holy and acceptable, not fleshly. So all the passionate desires that you have the right to be right. How many of you guys love being right? How many of you guys love telling people that you're right? How, how many of you love saying, I told you so? Anybody? Not me. Don't husbands want. Don't, hey, don't be looking at it. Honey, don't be looking at me. Oh, wow. He learned early. Okay, there we go. You want to come preach, brother? Come on. We're called to flee from our fleshly passions. We're called to flee from these things. The only way to renew our minds The only way that can take place is by the Holy Spirit changing our thinking. And this is only going to take place by the constant study of Scripture. Remember, remember, one of these days it's going to happen. I want to get it just 
emblazoned on the front here. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So the only way that this takes place in our lives, the only way we renew our minds, faith to be able to do what we need to do, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. God's word is what is the mechanism, is the tool that is used to wash over our minds. Yeah, the only way to be obedient towards Christ is to have his word engrafted into our hearts and our minds. So as we read back in John chapter 14, he said, what? The first thing he said, he goes, what? If you love me, if you love me, this is Jesus speaking, he said, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. And if you don't keep my commandments, you don't really love me. I didn't say that. That's Jesus that said that. Woof. All right, so let's go back. We made it. We made it one verse in 14. Let's go to 15. Verse 15. What does it say in verse 15? But as he who calls you is holy, you also, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Not just some of your conduct, but all of it. As Christ called you to be holy, Christ has called Christians to be holy. Why? Because he is holy and he will not have anything in his presence that is unholy. He will not. If God the Father turned his back on God the Son that was on the cross that became sin on our behalf. Like, you remember in, in, the, in the story of Christ being crucified... As he's hanging on the cross, what was one of the things that he screamed out from the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He became sin on our behalf. He embodied and he took on the sins of the world, of those that would believe. And he took on our sins to become the perfect sacrifice for us. So God the Father, who will not be in the presence of sin, said, I will not look upon him. He turned his back on his own son. So why in the world would you think that, man, I know that God the Father has turned the back on God the Son, but you know what? He's just going to wink at my sin. That's okay. No, he will not. He will not. If God the Father, as Christ died on the cross, and turned his back on his only son, because of that, because of his, his willingness to lay down his life on our behalf, I want you to think about that. God, God the Son became you. And you, as a result of what he did on the cross, get to become, you get to have, you get to have the righteousness of God imputed to your account. If God would do that to Jesus... Those of us that are in our sins have no chance. You say, how in the world can anyone be in his presence? None of us are holy. None of us are set apart. None of us are seeking things that are holy. How, how do we do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. First, Peter, or First Timothy chapter 1, verse 8 through 10 says this. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel. Now listen, this is why we get access to God. By the power of God who saved us and called us to 
to a holy calling, not because of our works, not because we did anything to work for it, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the age began. And which now has been manifest through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who, listen, we talked about this in Sunday school, who's abolished death. He has abolished death and he's brought life and immortality and light through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ah, love that. So you and I are called to be holy because Christ has provided you and I a way to be holy. You say, Caleb, I can't be holy. You're right, you can't. But Christ can be holy for you. And you are in him and he is in you. So when God sees Caleb Gordon, he sees Christ in Caleb Gordon. So therefore, Ephesians chapter 1 says, I'm blameless and I'm holy. I'm set apart. Wow, that's good. He has become that perfect holiness in us when he takes over as Lord and Savior. When, he, when you repent and believe, at that very moment, saved and he becomes Lord and Savior of your life so because Christ who has called you to be holy you are holy in every area of your life because Christ is holiness holiness is to define the Christian walk if you say you belong to Christ yet you still chase sin and enjoy it and love it and have no guilt over your sins That is an indicator, that is an indicator, that is an indicator that you really do not belong to Christ Jesus. You're playing a game. You're only fooling yourself. You say, man, I'm a Christian, but yet you're getting drunk on Friday nights. You're getting wasted. I'm a Christian, but you're sleeping around. You get... I'm a Christian, but you hold on to bitterness and you haven't forgiven people that need to be forgiven. You're angry and bitter and hateful. I'm a Christian. No, you're not. By the authority of God's word, you're not. If you're a Christian, you would forgive freely. You wouldn't hold on to bitterness of family members and friends. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what she said. I don't care what she said. Christ forgave you, so you need to forgive her. Oh, but Caleb, I love getting wasted. Well, you're not a Christian then. The will of God is you be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the Bible. We're called to be holy because Christ is holy. Because Jesus, who has called you, is holy, you're given an avenue, you're given a way. Holiness is the defining walk of a Christian. Period. Holiness is to be the M.O. of a Christ follower. You remember Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1? What did it say? Therefore, we're called to be imitators of God. Imitate God. We are to mimic Christ in all areas of our conduct. All areas of our conduct. What did the text say in verse 15? But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. If there's conduct in your life that you're not being holy and you're not pursuing holiness, that's where you need to repent. 
That's where you need to ask God to forgive you. And guess what? Bless God. He'll save you and he'll redeem you and he'll forgive you. That's the glory of the gospel. That's the great message that we have. But we are called to mimic Christ in all that we do. We are to follow him and imitate him. Because as he is holy, we are to be holy. Verse 17 amplifies this. It says what? Well, we'll start in verse 16. As it's written, you, are to be, you should be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as God who judges impartially according to each other's deeds, uh, conduct yourselves with fear throughout your time in exile. Now, what I want to try to do is I, I, want, I want you to see this in verse 17 is it amplifies this conducting yourself in a holy manner because Christ will judge in all fairness. And if you're calling God your heavenly father, if you say you belong to him, if you say you're a Christian, you will live in a respectful manner towards the God of the universe. Um, I'll read the New Living Translation as part of this as well. It says, and remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in a reverent fear of Christ during your time here as a temporary resident. I keep harping on this. We are not here for a long time. Amen? We're only here for how long? What's the scripture say? Like a vapor for a moment we're here. So remember, if you call on Christ, he's going to judge in all fairness. And if you say you belong to him, he's going to reward you And he's going to judge you according to how you handle who Christ is. If you repent and believe in Jesus, guess what? You don't get judged according to condemnation, but you get judged towards reward. But if you're outside of Christ and you've not repented and you've not trusted Christ as your Savior, you will be judged with condemnation. Man, that's... that's, It's simple and it's laid out, but yet you still have people that love their sin more than they love Jesus. They love the temporary residence more than they love the eternal residence. I heard an illustration the other day. I don't remember the guy that said it, but man, when you go on vacation, how many of you guys take everything in your house? And I know as, as a young parent with kids, you feel like you're taking your whole house. I get it, but I mean, you're not taking your whole house with you. As you go on vacation, you've got a suitcase with just a few things in it. Why? Because you know you're not staying there for a long time. You're only staying there for a little bit. You take the essentials with you. And some of you guys are living as if in this temporary residence right now, as if this is it. So you take everything you got, all the onus, all the eggs are in one basket, and you're following and pursuing this life. This life is not the end all, be all. Christ is the end all, be all. Listen to me. And knowing that we were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited by our forefathers in verse 18. Listen, what Jesus did on the cross is he bought you out from under the yoke of your own bondage. Christ came and divinely bought you back from under the yoke of your sin. Hear me. You are not free in your sin. You are not free. You are not a free woman. You are not a free man in your sin. You are a whipped slave who has zero freedom. And what Christ did is that he came and he paid 
the fine for you to be free from your own prison. (laughs) He paid the fine with his own blood. He didn't come and pull out his wallet and say, all right, uh, here we go. We got... He didn't pull out his wallet and start saying, okay, I'm going to start paying for, for um, Landon's soul with some cash. Scripture says he didn't buy it with silver and gold, but he bought it with his own precious blood. He died on the cross of Calvary and he shed his blood on the cross of Calvary for your sins to buy you back. You are not free in your sins. And what Christ has done is he paid your fine. <laughs> so now you belong to him. And like I said, I've said this before. You're either a slave to Christ or you're a slave to sin and self. One of the two. There's no, I want door number three. There's not a door number three. It's either you're a sin or you're, you're, you're a slave to sin and self or you're a slave to Christ. But here's what I can tell you is that Christ will redeem you. Christ will set you free from your sins. And, it, and because here's the, here's the truth of the matter. Sin will bind you up. It will choke you and eventually kill you. All the while making you feel like you're free. That's the deceptive nature of sin is that when you're in the midst of it, it doesn't feel like you're being shackled up and bound. Rather, it feels like, and I'm free. I'm winning. I can do what I want. Woo! I'm excited about life. I'm going to do what I want. It makes you feel like you're winning when in reality you're actually losing. That's the powerful nature of sin. It will seem as if you are totally free until the jaws of sin clamp down on you in eternity. And then and only then will you realize the horrific truth that you are eternally bound to live out the rest of your days in the fiery pits of hell. You are truly never free while living in your sin and living for yourself. You're only a slave to living in a fake world of freedom, a facade, a Hollywood backdrop that isn't real. Right now, they're, they're filming a, a, a movie in Pahuska, and they've built these facades. On the front of it, it looks like a real building. It looks like a, a, a place you would walk into. But there's some people that posted some behind-the-scenes pictures. If you look behind it, it's just sticks holding up this fake front it's not real sin is holding up this fake front of freedom and you think you're getting freedom but reality when you walk through that door all you're going to get is a facade and it will let you down and it will destroy you and sin according to romans chapter 6 will eventually kill you it'll eventually kill you Hmm. you're only truly set free when christ buys you back And when he does, I'm sorry, and he does not buy you back with cash. He didn't pull out his wallet. He says, what? You were purchased with his own blood. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20 says, Do you not realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? You, uh, you, You who live... Who, who, whose lives you are given by God, the lives you are given by God, you do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. God bought you with a high price. What was the price that he bought? He bought you with the blood of his precious son on the cross. 
So therefore, you must honor God with your bodies because you were bought with a price. Jesus Christ has called you and I to be holy because he is holy. And if you are not pursuing holiness, according to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, it says you will not see God. We have a mandate from God. Jesus, listen, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. That means a truly converted person will not have to be begged to come to the things of Christ. Will not have to be begged to come to church. I don't have to, like listen, people that are true followers of Christ, man, we don't have to get on our knees and beg them to come to church. We don't have to beg them to be a part of youth group. We don't have to beg them to be a part of things to serve and to be involved. We don't have to be like, will you please help teach? Will you please serve? Will you please do something? Please help us, please. I don't have to do that to a true believer. A true believer is going to be like, where, where do you need me? What can I do? Where do I need to go? How can I serve? You need, you need me to clean a toilet? Man, I'm in. You need me to help change a diaper? Messy as that is, I'm in. You, you need me, to, you need me to, to teach a Sunday school class? I'm in. You, you need me to be in the room and help? I'm in. I'll, I'll be here. I don't have to beg true followers of Christ to be here. Because they want to be here. If you truly love Jesus, you're going to pursue the things of Christ and want to be around the people of Christ. We don't have to beg them. Rather, a true Christian will desire to do what Christ has called him to do. If you say you're a Christian and still, <laughs> still pursue sin, we've got a problem. You say you're a Christian, but yet, man, you, people haven't begged you to serve. Like, here's the deal. I need you to understand something. I know we live in 2021 and, you know, there's this world of, uh, that we think that there's, because the American culture has taught us this idea of retirement, is, is, is something we all need. There's no such thing as retirement in the kingdom of God. You go till your heart stops. Like you go through the text and read this. These men and women that were followers of Christ didn't be like, you know what? I'm going to retire just relax in Florida. Like I, I know a pastor that quit. He was 70 years old. He said, man, I'm just going to retire. Went and lives and now lives his life in Florida and doesn't really do anything for Christ. What in the world? Where did that come from? Is that anywhere in the text? No, the scripture says you go hard until your heart stops. Like it's, you go, like every one of the disciples, they died horrific deaths. They didn't say, I'm going to retire. Like John didn't, well, he did go to the Isle of Patmos, but it wasn't retirement. <laughs> We're called in Hebrews chapter 12 to watch out after each other. Now, this idea of community being there with each other and to hold each other accountable, to spur one another on to righteousness, to spur one another on to holiness. We are to live well with one another in such a way that we pursue holiness together. We as a church are to do this thing together. This is why we need to keep one another accountable. This is why we in this place must live in radical Christian hospitality. Like, this is, I'll just be, I'll be real frank and honest. This is something my wife is working on. Like, she is a perfectionist to the, uh, just the infinite degree. In our house right now, we've got some construction and crazy stuff going on. And she doesn't like people coming into our house. I mean, she's slowly breaking that mold. Amen? And is it tough? Is it difficult? But man, Christ has given us the, the, the mandate to have radical Christian hospitality. 
We're to, like when people come in the door, like I don't want to just invite people and then not make them feel welcome when they get here, man. When they get here, like we need to be radical in our love for the men and women that walk through these doors. We need to be in love with the people that come through these doors and say, man, I, I'm excited you're here. Just not, yeah, I'm glad you're here. I mean, if you walked in my house, I'm like, yep, super glad you're here. Didn't talk to them. Didn't listen to what they had to say. I let them come in the door, but I, you know, well, whatever. And they're hungry and thirsty. I didn't even offer them a drink. Didn't offer them something to eat, but just, yeah, I'm glad you're here. Are they going to believe me? Probably not. A man, when that door opens and I'm like, hey, welcome in. I'm glad you're here. You want some coffee? Gabe will make you one. You want something to eat? I'll break out the griddle. You want to go? Let's go. You want to come out and talk to me while I'm Let's go. But this needs to be that happening right here, right now. When people walk in this door, they don't just be like, well, I'm glad you're here. Man, I'm, just, I'm not talking. I'm not saying we need to be goofy. But I'm saying that we need to have a contagion, a, just a contagious spirit of Christ's joy in us. If Christ rules your life, man, people ought to know about it. Amen? If Christ rules your life, people ought to know it. People ought to know you walk in Christ's spirit when they walk into this room. When they walk in this room, they need to see that we are different people. That we're joy-filled and that Christ makes the difference. I'm telling you what we need is we need Christians who are actually Christians. Not, I don't need cultural Christians. We need biblical-minded Christians who say, I'm in regardless. I'll go hard for Jesus until my dying breath. And let me just say this. You say, Caleb, I'm, I'm too old. I can't do much. You know what you can do? Let me just tell you. You can be in the room and you can encourage those that are trying to do things. You can encourage those that are planning things and being a part of it. I'm not saying you got to get in there and lift a thousand pounds, but just come in and maybe just be like, I'm here. Let me pray for you. Let me encourage you. Let me get in, let me get in the room. Let me just be in the room with you. That's what we need. We need old, listen, I need older men and women to come alongside me and just encourage. Titus chapter two, older men, show us what it looks like to be self-controlled. Older men help younger men, help them see what it looks like to live a life of integrity. Help us in that. Older women, teach younger women what it looks like to be a godly woman. That's what we need. Well, I don't want to do that. Then that's a sin in your life and you need to repent. You need to repent. You're like, I don't want to be here. You, you need to repent and maybe, maybe, maybe be saved. Maybe. I don't want to do those things. Well, your desire will be to, what, to do what Christ has called you to do. Not to do what you want to do. Not to do what you want to do, but to do what Christ has called you to do. Your life should look different. We should be different as Christians. Amen? Let's stand together.